Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote as well. Duralast batteries designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions. They're built with patented technology to reduce damage due to vibration and deliver the most power during startup. They're proven tough and sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Last night, they weren't really in the zone. It was an ugly game. But it completed NFL Week 11, and now we kind of start to have an interesting question. Are the Ravens good enough to win a game in the playoffs? I don't know the answer to that, but they are now sliding into the sixth seed in the AFC, and the Houston Texans, in the wake of the Deshaun Watson injury, continue to plummet down the playoff uh, rankings and basically are done sitting at four and seven. Meanwhile, the Ravens are six and five. And that kind of sets up our uh, overall worldview here as the playoffs move into the final five weeks of the season. I thought we would take a look at that. But first, things have gotten so bad in Houston that this was the entirety of of Tom Savage's post-game press conference. Listen carefully and quickly because there isn't a lot here. You good? Good. Great. That's, that's the entirety of Tom Savage's post-game press conference. So he walked in, said, we good and then turned around and walked out. I don't know if he would defend himself by saying nobody had a single question. I find it hard to believe that in the wake of a Monday night football game, when he's the starting quarterback, that the Houston media and everybody else there to cover that game didn't have a single thing to ask him. But it's kind of a sign of how bad I think the situation has gotten there for Tom Savage. And again, if you're Bill O'Brien, how in the world did you ever start this guy over Deshaun Watson? And also... 
what would the Houston Texans season look like if Deshaun Watson had never gotten hurt? I think they're certainly contending for the division title. Instead, they're four and seven. I think you could probably flip that record. I think they'd probably be seven and four if Deshaun Watson had never gotten hurt. But they are four and seven. What does the playoff picture actually look like? Uh, right now, with five weeks to go in the AFC, the Steelers are their overall number one team, the Patriots number two, Titans number three, the Kansas City Chiefs are in the four spot, Jacksonville in the five spot, and the Baltimore Ravens are in the sixth spot with Buffalo right on the outside looking in. And maybe the most intriguing thing is just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how competitive the NFC playoff picture could end up being. Maybe that's actually going to be true of the AFC instead because the Bills, not awful, right? I mean, they're not awful. They're potentially a playoff team at 6-5. and five. Uh, I don't think they're good enough to win a game once they get to the playoffs, but they certainly can contend for the playoffs. The Bengals, I don't think, are awful. The Chargers and Oakland are both good enough to win the AFC West because the Chiefs have lost five of six, so I think there's going to be a legitimate race now in the AFC West. Uh, So there are, I think, 10 teams that can contend for a playoff spot as we come into the final five weeks of the season in the AFC. Tough thing for the NFC is... The teams are so good at the top that they're creating a lot of gaps. So obviously the Eagles are in first place if the season ended today. Vikings continue to win, even though I don't 100% believe in them. Uh, then we've got the Rams, the Saints, uh, the Carolina Panthers, and the Atlanta Falcons rounding out your top six. Remember, that NFC South is just a loaded division right now. All three of the top, three out of six of the playoff teams coming from that division And you can make an argument that, by far, that division is the best in the NFL. Then you have the uh, Seahawks sitting right outside the the, uh, NFC playoff race, followed by the Detroit Lions. I'm not sure, frankly, that anybody other than Seattle is going to end up contending for the playoffs in the NFC because I think Carolina and Atlanta and New Orleans are so good. Maybe they just beat each other up enough where the total wins doesn't end up being substantial enough that the Seahawks can slide in. But that is your uh, that is your setup right now. Now, a couple of uh, stories that I think are worth paying attention to. Tonight is the college football playoff ranking. And it's actually going to be pretty substantial because I believe that this is going to set up the biggest debate that we've had in a very long time in the college football playoff. And that is going to be Alabama against Ohio State for the final spot in the playoff. Let me explain why I think that's going to be what we end up with. First of all, let's kind of look at the the college football playoff right now, and I'll run you through the overall landscape. We're going to talk with Barrett Salee about this in a uh, in, in a second segment of the show as well, CBSSports.com uh, writer. But right now, there are nine teams alive for the college football playoff. As we come into Tuesday and we have the playoff rankings coming out tonight, there are nine teams that could potentially make the playoff. Who are those teams? There are three from the SEC. The teams that are playing in the SEC title game, Georgia and Auburn, whoever wins that game is in. I don't think there's any doubt. I don't think anybody would be uncertain. So Georgia and uh, and Auburn are both still alive, and whoever wins their game will be in the playoff. Then we have Alabama, who's 11-1 and and is waiting to see what's going to happen. They're right there on the periphery of the playoff. Then in the Big Ten, we have got Wisconsin. If Wisconsin wins to go to 13-0, and they're in the playoff. If Ohio State wins, then they get into a debate with Alabama, which we'll get to 
maybe partly for this show. I think this is the big debate of the week, honestly, because uh, on Sunday we'll find out who exactly makes the playoff, and I think it's going to come down to Alabama and Ohio State because I think Ohio State's going to beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. Then we have, as you continue through the lineup, in the Pac-12, nobody. All right, I'm just going to go ahead and eliminate the Pac-12. They have zero chance to make it. In the Big 12, 12-1 Oklahoma is in. I think if TCU wins in a totally unnecessary Big 12 title game, the Big 12 might get knocked out. That's kind of the challenge in general there. Uh, Then we have a situation in the ACC where I think it's pretty clear if Miami wins, they're in, I think... Clemson is 100% in if they get to 12-1. and So that is your college football playoff landscape as it currently stands, and I think it's going to end up being a hell of a debate. Um, I'm going to bring in the crew here and ask them what they think of this um, because ultimately I believe what's going to happen this weekend in the college football playoff games uh, – sorry, the college. Well, it's kind of like a college football playoff already – the conference title games is, I'm not even sure what's going to happen between Georgia and Auburn. I think that's a coin flip game. I don't know that the outcome of that game really matters at all. So SEC champ is in. The loser is out, okay? In the Big Ten, I think Ohio State is going to win, and I think Wisconsin is going to be out. I think that Oklahoma is going to beat TCU again, and that would put Oklahoma into the uh, into the playoff for sure at 12-1. and And I think Clemson is going to beat Miami. So your final debate would be Alabama going head-to-head against Ohio State. Which of those two teams do you believe most deserves to get in? I'll start with you, Jason Martin. It's tough because I think Alabama passes every eye test, but they have the number 62 ranked schedule. And that's been the argument against Wisconsin this entire time, that if they didn't run the table, they wouldn't get in because they haven't played anybody. But I think their schedule is 63rd. So it's that close between those two teams. Ohio State got destroyed by Iowa, and I can't let that go. I mean, they got absolutely merrily embarrassed. to 24 was the score in Iowa. And, and to me, that's almost an argument that Alabama needs to keep beating on its head. That, look, is there any way in possible – that Alabama would have gone on the road at Iowa and given up 55 points. And if your answer is no, and I think most people listening to us right now would say no, then that to me is the best argument for Alabama deserving to be in the in the playoff, is that they are better on the eye test. I can run through some of the data, and I will later in the show kind of comparing them. So Because I think that's, that's going to be the final decision. I think that's going to be the dis- decision the committee faces – Do we go with a second team from the SEC or do we take Ohio State? So 11-1 Alabama versus 11-2 Ohio State. Now, if Wisconsin wins, I don't think there's any debate at all because I think it's actually – I mean, the debate would just be about how how you set up the seeding. You'd have the SEC champ. You'd have the ACC champ. You'd have the Big 12 champ, assuming it's Oklahoma, and you'd have the Big 10 champ, and Ohio State and Alabama would both be on the outside looking in. But I think Ohio State is going to beat Wisconsin. Odds makers would agree with me that line, Ohio State about a six-point favorite over Wisconsin. And oh, by the way, if you think the goal of the committee is to take the best available team, Alabama would be favored over Ohio State on a neutral field according to Las Vegas. What about you guys in L.A.? Have you been following this thing closely enough 
to have a strong opinion on Alabama versus Ohio State. We're kind of looking into the future here, which I think will be the decision the committee will have to make Sunday and Saturday and everything else after these games are all decided. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like Alabama needs to hope that the committee thinks back to last season when Ohio State made the playoff despite winning neither its division or conference. Yes. Um, they were dominated on both sides of the ball, so I think that's the problem and why, why they're under the microscope. Gonna Auburn be- might be right now the best team in college football, so I don't know. I mean, Auburn dominated Georgia. We'll see how they look, how healthy they are at the running back position. I mean, the, the line is Auburn around a two-point favorite over Georgia in the SEC title game. So I think I'm probably going to end up picking Auburn there, um, but it is going to be a uh, a real challenge, right, for either team to win that game. So, yeah, I don't. I guess I don't consider Alabama getting beaten like they were to be as bad as others do, because I think Auburn's just that good right now. Yeah, what do you think about teams on the outside looking in? I think it's yeah. Alabama. It, well, it ranked number eight, isn't it? Central Florida. Oh, I, I don't power think Central, rankings. Oh, yeah, I don't think Central Florida has a chance to get in. I, now, look, I think this is this is why I have been arguing for a while that going to eight playoff teams makes the most sense. Now, some of you can say, "Oh, that make you're ludicrous." Like, no, I think if you went to eight right here, let's think about what it would look like at the end of the college football t- conference title games. Here, you'd have all five conference champs, and then you'd have three wild cards. Central Florida would probably get in. Although uh, they play, who does Central Florida play? Uh, Memphis this weekend, and the over/under in that game, I believe, is eighty-five. So you want to just watch an entertaining game? My God, that game is going to be unbelievable up and down the field. But so you'd have Central Florida in as the wild card, and you would have Alabama certainly in as a wild card, and then you'd have a debate probably as the eighth best team. But if you're a USC fan, you would think you have a decent chance to get in. Uh, you would think that uh, that potentially, who knows, uh, maybe you could get in at Miami. Like, there'd still be a lot of uh, argument about eight, but it would be a less of a severe argument, and you'd have an incredible playoff. We'll talk about what the eight-team playoff would look like once those results are done on Monday as we unpack everything. Uh, what about you, uh, Justin? Any strong opinions here as to whether who should get in between Ohio State and uh, Alabama? I mean, I I don't I don't watch closely enough to have a super informed opinion, but I mean, Alabama that's the, that's their only blemish really, and and I mean I I think if they get in, it's they're gonna make noise like they always do. Alabama would be favored to win the conference, the college football playoff if they get in as one of the final four. I think that's where, and we'll talk to uh, we'll talk tomorrow to John Campbell, and then on Thursday to my guy out in the desert, uh, Todd Furman. That's where I think the the discussion point really becomes intriguing is are you taking the best four, the most deserving four? Shouldn't you consider who Vegas considers to be the best team if your goal is to get the four best playoff teams? Uh, that, to me, is a, is a decision the committee's going to have to make. Okay, up next we'll ask this exact question of Barrett Salee. Also, what did he think of the Greg Schiano fallout, the way the national media has covered this uh, this story? And who does he see taking the open jobs? Who does Arkansas hire? Who does Arizona State hire? How about Texas A&M? How about Tennessee? All of that and more up next with Barrett Salee. But first, I want to tell you guys, it's getting close to the holiday season. And during the holiday season, you can make a difference. Love has an army. And you can join the fight. Help the Salvation Army fight for those in need. 
all over our community this Christmas by going to foxsportsradio.com and clicking the red kettle icon to donate or call 1-833-SAL-SAL-JOIN. Help us reach our fundraising goal of $200,000. About 15 million and 21% of all kids are living in poverty across the U.S. This Christmas, the Salvation Army is fighting to ensure every child is warm, safe, and well-nourished. The Salvation Army serves almost 25 million people in the U.S. every year with things like shelter, meals, and Christmas assistance. For $100, you can help feed a family of four for three days. For $200, you could help provide two nights of shelter for a family of four. Now you can help us by joining the fight. Go to foxsportsradio.com. Click on the red kettle icon to donate. That's foxsportsradio.com or call 1-833-SAL-JOIN. That's 1-833-SAL-JOIN and donate to our fundraising page. Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on car insurance as well. With TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Uh, let's bring in my guy Barrett Salee and bring in him uh, and start with this question, which I think is going to be the number one question that everybody faces in the world of college football. 11 and 1 Alabama or 11 and 2 Ohio State because I think that's the debate we'll all have come late Saturday evening when these conference title games are all complete. Well, if you're asking me what I think will happen, I mean there there is no doubt it's going to be Ohio State. They're going to get in in that situation. Now, we can argue the merits of that, but the fact of the matter is Alabama does not have a signature win. So that Why do you think that why, why do you think there's no doubt? Well, uh, first things first, let's uh, go back to to realize why this college football playoff was created. It was created because of poor ratings. It was created because of regionalization of the BCS National Championship game between LSU and Alabama. So they're never going to talk about the fact that they need a good geographical swath of of America in that building. They're never going to vote based on the fact that they need teams from around the country. But they all know why they're there, Clay. They understand why they're there. So... So it's an interesting point. If you could end up with, it's a very interesting point that I don't think very many people are talking about that ratings matter in this thing. And that's, that's, that's my conspiracy theory. And if you had Oklahoma and you had Clemson and you had Alabama and you had either Georgia or Auburn, you have a Southern, right? I mean, basically a Southern playoff because Oklahoma is effectively a Southern team, really, when you think about it from a geographic perspective. So, obviously, Georgia or Auburn are. Alabama's right next door if they make it, and Clemson is right there, too. You have an incredibly regionalized college football playoff. You're leaving out the Big Ten, and you're leaving out the West Coast. So, you think on its, on like, basically, this is a ratings grab if they put Ohio State in. Well, I wouldn't even say it's a ratings grab. I, I think that's what they would do because it do in part to ratings. But I think from a pure football perspective, what would Ohio State's key, key win be? It would be over Wisconsin. We'll find out where Wisconsin is tonight when the rankings come out. What's Alabama's? It's Mississippi State. It's LSU. And those aren't that impressive. So, you know, I, I think it's both, actually. But uh, it, will they overlook the fact that Ohio State got blown out by Iowa and, and got blown out by Oklahoma? See, of course if they, they will. 
If they are supposed to pick the best teams, do you believe Alabama would beat Ohio State on a neutral field? Or, and this is maybe the best argument I think that's out there, do you believe there's any way that a Nick Saban coach team would have gone on the road at Iowa and lost by 31 points and given up 55 points? See, I'm going to answer both of your questions. No, a Nick Saban team would never have gone to Iowa and given up 55 points. But no, Alabama is not one of the four best teams in the country either because Clemson, Georgia, Auburn, uh, Oklahoma, uh, these are better teams. Wisconsin so you, is a better you disagree team. with you disagree with Las Vegas, which would favor Alabama over every team in the country? Yes, Alabama is an extremely flawed football team. We saw that on Saturday. They, they, they do one thing well offensively. You take it away. Auburn did. They get beat. They're extremely thin defensively. They lack discipline defensively in their linebacking core. They're a top-10 team. I don't think they're one of the four best teams in the country. Now, the, the, the converse of that is that do they have a top-four resume? And the answer is I don't know because we don't know what all the resumes look like right now. So it's, it's interesting that Alabama's in this mix because clearly they're flawed. I mean, I, I think you saw during the month of November they don't have uh, the, the kind of, uh, of talent that you can consistently win with. That's a huge debate is over between Alabama and Ohio State. What would you say also about the situation right now? That That's a big debate, and the playoff is happening tonight, and we're getting the college football playoff ranking. So that's going to be a big point of discussion all week because I think it's going to come down to Alabama and Ohio State, and I think we lost Barrett Salee there, so we'll call him back. To me, that that the best argument for Alabama. Now he, Barrett doesn't believe Alabama is as good as Las Vegas does. Las Vegas would say Alabama is the best team in the country. I think that's a check mark in Alabama's favor. I think the best argument in Alabama's favor, if we compare them with Ohio State, is there's no way that Alabama would have ever gone on the road and lost fifty five to twenty four to a seven and five Iowa team. I can't my, myself if I'm on the committee. I can't put Ohio State into the playoff because of that performance. It's the worst performance we would have ever seen from a college football playoff team. We've never had a two-loss team. I believe Alabama would beat Ohio State on the field. I don't think JT Barrett's that good. Uh, I'm not sure, by the way, Jalen Hurts is that good either. But I think Alabama would win that game. I think if they mirror image each other, Alabama is better than Ohio State. Now, I'd like to see that game. So uh, it's unfortunate that we don't have an A-team playoff. But in an ideal universe, that game would look outstanding. Let me go ahead and bring in my guy, uh, Eddie Garcia, while we get Barrett Salee back up and uh, and dialed up. Find out what's shaking in the world of sports with the update. What's up, my man? What's up, Clay? Uh, let's start with Monday Night Football, where the Ravens top the Texans 23-16. to Baltimore improving to 6-5, and and they are back right now in that final playoff spot in the AFC as they bump Buffalo out of the playoffs. For now, Houston drops to 4-7 and with the loss. NFL News Raiders wide receiver Michael Crabtree and Broncos cornerback Aqib Tlaib both suspended for two games without pay as a result of their ejections following that on-the-field fight in Sunday's game in Oakland. NBA games of note, top two teams in the East battled in Boston with the Pistons beating the Celtics 118-108. to Kings knock off the Warriors in Oakland 110-106, uh, but uh, Golden State did not have stars Steph Curry or Kevin Durant out due to injury. Cavaliers won their eighth in a row beating the 76ers 113-91. Clippers beat the Lakers 120-115, but the Clippers may have lost star Blake Griffin to a knee injury. He'll be reevaluated later today. This report brought to you by True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used.
use. Visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And Clay, it is time for the Geico play of the day. He'll rush only four. Savage throws across the middle. It's intercepted. Anthony Levine at midfield. And he'll take it down at the 42-yard line. And with 2-16 left to play, the Hayes in the barn. WPAL on the call of Anthony Levine's game-sealing interception of Tom Savage to wrap up the Ravens' 23-16 win over the Texans on Monday Night Football. That's your Geico play of the day. Outstanding stuff as always there on the update. Do we have Barrett Salee back, or is he still? Uh, did it, was he like captured by? He he's captured by aliens there in the middle of the interview. Never had that happen before. Like it, it's as if uh, somebody reached down and just grabbed his phone and destroyed him like middle of the interview. So hopefully he wasn't kidnapped by space aliens uh, in the middle of that interview. Let's go ahead um, and uh, should we pivot here? I mean, you guys are just its going straight to his voicemail like we legitimately have no idea what happened to him. Yeah, I called him back a couple times going straight to voicemail, so you might be onto something, Clay. I don't know. Well, maybe he's been kidnapped. Uh, so let's, let's bring back in uh, that discussion point that we were on with Barrett. Here's my argument for why Alabama actually deserves to be in over Ohio State. Okay, when you actually look at the numbers and dive in here, I want you to listen to this case, and then I will allow also the phone lines to be opened up. 877-996-6369 is our phone number here. You can weigh in on whether you think Ohio State or Alabama is the better candidate in the college football playoff. Um, here is what my top 10 looks like in the meantime. People are like, oh, what's the top 10 going to look like for the college football playoff committee tonight? My top 10. I've got Georgia as number one overall. People say, why in the world do you have Georgia as number one overall? Well, because I think if you look at the totality of resumes now, 11-1 and Georgia, even with the loss at Auburn, with their win over Notre Dame, with their win over Georgia Tech, they have got eight FBS top five wins they went eight and one against top five conference, eight and one against top five conference competition. Nobody else has as good of an eight wins as Georgia does. I've got Clemson number two, I've got Auburn three, and I've got Oklahoma four. Now, obviously, Georgia and Auburn are playing, so the loser of that game would fall out of my top four. Then I've got Alabama five, Wisconsin six, Miami seven, Ohio State eight, Penn State nine. And USC, I have got in the 10 spot. Okay, looking at this, we know Georgia and Auburn are playing, so one of these teams is going to fall out of the top four. We know that Oklahoma is playing, so they probably should win against TCU. We know Clemson is playing Miami, and they probably should beat Miami. So, one of the intriguing questions that we're going to end up here with, the most intriguing question, I believe, is Ohio State beats Wisconsin and then Alabama versus Ohio State. So what does that actually look like? What does that look like in terms of a head-to-head situation between Alabama and Ohio State? I think, man, when I actually look at this and start to to break it down, here is my argument for why 11-1 Alabama will have a better resume than 11-2 Ohio State. 11-1 Alabama will have the same number of wins against teams with winning records as Ohio State, and its single loss will be demonstrably better than Ohio State's two losses. Bama lost on the road to Auburn. That's a bitter conference rival, and Auburn is obviously a top-five team. They could end up, believe it or not, the number one overall team in the playoff seedings. 
And Ohio State lost at home to Oklahoma by 15. So we know Ohio State has to be seated below Oklahoma. And they lost by 31 on the road to 7-5 and five Iowa. And that's just a loss I can't get past. Right now, everybody's like, oh, Ohio State has such good a resume compared to Alabama. That's not true. Ohio State has four wins against teams with winning records right now. Army, Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan. If they beat Wisconsin, they will have five wins against teams with winning records. The same number as Alabama. Alabama right now has five wins against teams with winning records. Fresno State, which is now in the top 25, by the way. Colorado State, Mississippi State, LSU, and Texas A&M. Florida State plays this weekend and is probably also going to end up 6-6. Six and six. And by the way, if the committee is willing to take into account injuries to quarterbacks, shouldn't they also consider Florida State how much better they would have been with DeAndre Francois at quarterback since that is who Alabama was playing against in week one? Florida State's going to finish 6-6, six and six, and they're going to have lost games by 6, 4, and 3 points. And also, they went on the road and played a pretty tight game against Clemson, Florida State is more like, in terms of talent, an eight or nine win team, I think pretty easily, if DeAndre Francois doesn't get hurt. So just because Florida State's quarterback ended up getting hurt and that season kind of went off the rails for them, does not mean that Alabama should be penalized for playing against Florida State. Alabama has the same number of wins against winning teams as Ohio State and fewer losses Their loss comes against a better team by fewer points. And if you want to break it down more fully, Alabama went 7-1 against FBS teams with 500 or better records. That's assuming that Florida State is going to win this weekend against Louisiana Monroe. They're a big favorite in that game. They would be 7-1 against FBS teams with 500 or better records, while Ohio State, if it beats Wisconsin, will go 5-2 against FBS opponents with winning records. So Alabama played eight teams with 500 or better records. Ohio State will have played seven. Alabama went seven and one in those games. Ohio State will have gone five and two. Okay, how about FBS teams in big five conferences with 500 or better records? Alabama will have gone five and one against those opponents, while Ohio State will have gone four and two, even with a win over Wisconsin. How about records from FBS teams from Big Five conferences with winning records? Bama will have gone three and one. Ohio State will go four and two, even with a win over Wisconsin. And again, I come back to the fact that Ohio State will have lost at home by 15 to Oklahoma and by 31. They gave up 55 points on the road against seven and five Iowa. Alabama played a competitive game against Auburn and lost on the road against what might be the number one overall seed. Alabama's record at the top is better, and its record against the bottom is better. I don't see how this is that competitive of an argument. I'm going to open up the phone lines and let you guys react. 877-996-6369. That's my argument of Alabama versus Ohio State. If you actually go into the numbers and compare the resumes, I don't understand. Now, Barrett Salee, before he got captured by aliens and we lost him, he said he thought Ohio State would get in for ratings purposes. That's an interesting conspiracy theory because if Oklahoma wins, that's a Southern team. Oklahoma is a Southern state, in my opinion. Okay. We know that Clemson, sorry, we know that Clemson is favored, right, to get in versus Miami, but Miami would also be a Southern team if they get in. 
even though Miami is – look, Miami's in the state of Florida, even though Miami is not quintessentially a southern town, right? Then you end up with uh, either Georgia or Auburn in in the SEC, right? We know one of those two teams is in. If Alabama's in, you have got a pretty small regional area. Is ESPN going to get involved here? Conspiracy theory that Ohio State gets in because they help ratings and they bring in Big Ten television markets? That's actually a pretty intriguing question. 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. Thank you for spending your Tuesday with us. This is Outkick the Coverage. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago as well. Love has an army, and you can join the fight. Help the Salvation Army fight for those in need all over our community this Christmas by joining Fox Sports. Man, by going to foxsportsradio.com and clicking the red kettle icon to donate or call 1-833-SAL-JOIN. Man, I just totally bungled that Salvation Army read. I may be going to hell now. Going to foxsportsradio.com. That's where you can listen to this show, by the way, too. And clicking the red kettle icon. Just do that so I can stop reading these. Can we hit our goal? Can we just go ahead? Can somebody out there, Rich, just go ahead and give us $200,000? Take care of the kids? Just a suggestion. All right, we got some calls. I'm going to go around the horn, though, here. Do you guys buy into the idea that ratings could play in when it comes to this committee? Remember, the committee is just 13 people. Everybody's like, oh, the committee has to make it a decision. This has been my issue from the get-go. The committee is just 13 people, and they just sit around and they have a poll. It's no different than if the four of us who were involved in this show just drafted nine of you out there listening to us right now, and we just did our own poll. I mean, we've already got an AP poll. We've already got a USA Today coaches poll. This is just another poll, and we just take the top four teams in it, and that's how we end up with the playoff. Do you think that ratings could factor in? ESPN's business is collapsing. The people on the playoff committee, if they're being honest and they look at it and they say, okay, we got Oklahoma, we got Georgia slash Auburn, we've got Alabama, we've got Clemson slash Miami. I'm not an expert on uh, all things geographical, but I'm pretty good at noticing that all of those teams are effectively in the South. We don't have a West Coast team. We don't have a Big Ten team at all. There's nobody even remotely near the East Coast unless you want to count Miami as an East Coast team. That ain't good, right, from ratings perspectives, especially if we could end up with Georgia against Alabama or Auburn against Alabama in an all-SEC title game. That's good for the South. It ain't good necessarily for ratings everywhere else. Ohio State would be better for ratings. Is it crazy to think about the ratings angle here when you consider how the committee's final decision could be made, Jason Martin? Lord, no. I mean, isn't all of this about entertainment? I mean, like entertainment is all about your numbers. It's all about your fans. It's all about money. It's all about yeah. It's and it's all about money. That's why all of it exists in the first place. That's why the playoff exists. Yeah, when we had the eleven team argument, or when you laid out your long case and you had me react to it, I suggested when you mentioned USC that at the time when they had a you know a little bit of an inkling in there if things went their way, that wouldn't it be good or wouldn't you want a team from the West Coast? So you look at it from a location standpoint, but we already know Ohio State is huge interest. It's huge box office. You've got a gigantic coach in Urban Meyer. That counts. 
all of that stuff because, yes, it is about getting as many eyeballs on the product so that people will pay as much as humanly possible for these ad spots so that you can raise rates, so that you can make money. That's all of it. So, yeah, it would be foolish not to think that that would be taken into consideration. You would kind of wish it was just the four best teams, but we're not that naive. Let's go to some calls uh, and see what the reaction is out there across the OutKick universe. Let's go to, who should we go to first, Jason Martin? Tommy in Florida? Tom, yeah, let's go to Tommy in Florida. Tommy, what's up? Hey, man, awesome show. Uh, the, the first point that I have to make is you've been a proponent of the 18 playoff, correct? Yes. And you've been talking about that for a while. For, for several the years, I've wanted 18. The first thing that you said was, well, naturally, you take the five conference champions. And then you take three also-rans, or the three next highest-ranked teams. Well, your first point's the first, the five conference champions. The number one thing that the Buckeyes, and I don't have a horse in this race, the number one thing the Buckeyes would have over Alabama is if they beat Wisconsin, would they be, they'd be a conference champion. Yeah, but look, I'm not, a conference champion, I'm not a conference champion guy. I mean, because last now, year... Why not? I, want, I don't understand that. Because the conference championship is arbitrary. You can only win the conference championship of the league that you're in. It doesn't actually mean anything. What if Stanford wins the conference championship in the Pac-12? Does that mean that Stanford was the best team in the Pac-12 all year? Well, of course it does. No, it doesn't. What if TCU beats beats Oklahoma? Does it mean that TCU was the better team all year in in the Big 12? We already know who won the Big 12. It's Oklahoma. They went 11-1, and one and they've already beaten TCU head-to-head. The Big 12 title game, in quotation marks, is just an arbitrary moneymaker designed to give another obstacle to Oklahoma. There's no need for that game. Oklahoma went 8-1 and one in the Big 12. They beat TCU head-to-head by double digits already. They are the best team unquestioned in the Big 12 this year, and now we're just going to play an additional arbitrary game to try and crown a conference champion. We don't need it. Like... Let me, Tommy, I appreciate the call, but my argument here is in an ideal world, you would go to eight playoff teams and we would just eliminate the conference title game because most of the time they're not necessary. And even when they are necessary, what's wrong with having co-champs? Like we know for instance, let's break down these conference title games right now. We know that Oklahoma is the big 12 champ. They already beat TCU. We know that USC is the Pac-12 champ They already beat Stanford, okay? Those are two conference title games that are worthless. USC won the Pac-12, and Oklahoma won the Big 12. We know on some level, I think about those two. The other three, eh, do we really need to see Ohio State play against Wisconsin? Or could we just say both these teams would be in the playoff? And that Wisconsin would win the Big 12 over, I mean, the Big 10 overall because they didn't have a single loss and Ohio State had one. I mean, now that's partly a function of two uneven divisions. The Big 12 West is a shadow of the Big 12 East. So that's, that's a structural issue that I think is going to endure for a long time in the Big 10, that the West is just so much weaker than the East. Uh, we know, I think, that maybe we need to see Clemson and Miami play. I think Clemson is better, but why do we need to see them play? I mean, in general, again, I would take... If you want to play the conference title games, I take the five conference champs and then I take three wild cards. That's an easy way to fix it. You can still end up with teams sometimes who probably wouldn't deserve to go, but it would at least give a reason for every conference title race to exist. Because right now the Pac-12 is playing a conference title game and ain't nobody going to care about it because it doesn't have any playoff rationale at all. 
if you knew that the winner was going to get in, either Stanford or USC, effectively that would be another playoff game. It's almost like you got 16 teams then, right? Because at least then that game, people are going to watch it and say, oh, I wonder if Stanford's peaking at the right time. Are they getting better? Could they win the, the, the Pac-12 title and then make some noise in the playoff? I'd like to see David Shaw's team play in the playoff. Or I'd like to see how Clay Helton and Sam Darnold could do. This might be the last opportunity to see Sam Darnold play. That's my argument there. What about Brian in Erie, Pennsylvania? What's up, Brian? Hey, Clay. Good show. Hey, uh, my argument is I'm 100% against uh, Ohio State. Two reasons. One, simply, Ohio State has two losses. Alabama has one. And even a bigger reason, I'm going back one year. Ohio State didn't even win their side of the conference of the Big Ten. They lost to Penn State head-to-head. Penn State went on to win the Big Ten. Penn State didn't get in with two losses. Ohio State got in with one loss, but didn't even win the West. Yeah, so that's, that's the that best. Theory, they didn't win the East. That's a great argument from a great argument from Brian. Ohio State fans now are arguing the exact same thing that they were arguing against last year. Now they're like, hey, conference titles matter. We won our division. Alabama didn't win their division and didn't win their conference. They're sitting there at 11-1. and It's the exact same argument Ohio State made last year. Last year, Ohio State didn't win their division and they didn't win their conference, and the committee put them in over a team they lost to -to head-to-head in Penn State. Continue to break this down. Your call is 877-996-6369. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Appreciate all of you waking up with us. Dominant, dominant time in the Outkick universe. The numbers just continue to roll in as we grow in like just kind of orders of magnitude. I mean, it's insane to think about how quickly and massively this show is growing and I thank all of you for spending your mornings with us and making that happen we had I think what is our biggest day in the history of the podcast yesterday um one of you guys can look that up and and confirm I think that's true uh but people just uh continue to uh to to roll in in massive numbers there I've got a poll question up for you and people are already starting to weigh in uh obviously you can also weigh in right now in this segment, because we're going to go to Alex Marvez, we always do in segment two of Hour Two on Tuesdays. But I ask the question right now, if you had to decide between Ohio State and Alabama, I think the college football playoff picture is going to come down to one of those two schools sliding into the fourth spot. Who would you put in as the fourth playoff team if it comes down to 11-1 Alabama against 11-2 Ohio State? Alabama getting 62% of your votes, Ohio State getting 38%. Um, And I think unanimously on this show, am I correct, we would go with Alabama? Am I correct in that? I think I'm correct in that. So we would go 4-0 for Alabama. Um, Here's an interesting question um, as we start hour two here. Should Tennessee is continuing to try to figure out what they're going to do? And by the way, I talk, I texted with Barrett Salee. He doesn't know what happened to his phone in hour one. We lost him. We'll talk to him tomorrow in hour one. So you can set your alarms. It'll be even better. We'll react to the college football playoff rankings and see if we learn anything, anything in the tea leaves there. The, to, the couple of interesting questions we're asking, and, and this is probably something we're going to unpack a little bit more tomorrow. Does geography matter? Does Ohio State get in over Alabama because the committee needs a uh, needs more viewers? Because otherwise you could end up with Oklahoma, Georgia slash Auburn, the winner of that game, Alabama, 
and theoretically, I think Clemson's going to beat Miami. That's basically four SEC teams. And what I mean, people say, oh, Oklahoma's in the Big 12. Oh, Clemson's in uh, the ACC. Those are SEC teams, all right? Oklahoma is just like an SEC team. They just happen to play in the Big 12. You can't say that about every Big 12 team. You can say it about Texas. You can say it about Oklahoma. And I have long said that Clemson and Florida State are effectively shadow SEC teams. In other words, they play in the ACC, but they're basically culturally SEC teams. There ain't, and look, I understand the Clemson-South Carolina rivalry, and you guys hate each other, and that's a fantastic rivalry. The reason why it's such a good rivalry is because there's not actually that much difference between Clemson and South Carolina. That's the, that's the, real, that's the real story in general about rivalry games. You think in the state that there's a huge difference between you, but really you're pretty common when you look at it from the larger perspective. I'll give you an example. Ole Miss and Mississippi State hate each other. Ole Miss is like, oh man, we're the aristocracy. Those Aggie people over at, at Mississippi State, they're rednecks. They're, they're in the middle of nowhere. Starkville's in the middle of nowhere. You know what the rest of the nation thinks? Everybody in Mississippi is a redneck. It's not like people are like, oh, you know, let me distinguish between these Mississippi State fans and these Ole Miss fans. They're like, everybody in Mississippi's a redneck. And I say that with affinity as a Tennessean. And they hear Alabama, Auburn, Alabama people are like, oh, we're the aristocracy of these state, this state. Auburn people are a bunch of, you know, cow humpers out there in a pasture down in, uh, down in middle of nowhere, Alabama. You know what everybody thinks in the rest of the country about Alabama? Oh, it's a bunch of rednecks down there. Florida and Florida State. Oh, there's a huge difference. Florida's like, hey, we're the state school in the state of Florida. You know what Florida State thinks? Oh, you know, like, oh, we're every bit the equal. You know what the rest of the country thinks? Ain't a hell of a beans difference between Florida and Florida State. Same thing with Clemson and South Carolina. By and large, this is true across the nation. Uh, my wife's a Michigan grad. She's like, oh, psh, Michigan State people, come on. They're our little brother. They're nowhere near as good as us. You know what the rest of the nation thinks? Not much difference between Michigan and Michigan State. Rivalry games matter in state because you're like, oh, I hate this person. But by and large, you're actually really similar. And the truth of the matter is Clemson and Florida State are shadow SEC programs. There's no real difference between them in the grand scheme of the things. Now, I think Florida's a little bit better job than Florida State. I think that South Carolina is a little bit better job maybe than Clemson. But that's because the SEC is better as a conference. You make more money, you get more people viewing you, all those things. But by and large, there's not that much difference. So when I say Clemson and Oklahoma are effectively SEC schools, that's true in terms of how their fan bases are and whether they would fit culturally perfectly if suddenly they were in the SEC. Like if you flipped South Carolina and Clemson, there wouldn't be a massive difference in the SEC at all. That would still be the exact same conference. If you flipped, let's say, Texas A&M and Oklahoma, and you had Oklahoma instead of Texas A&M, there wouldn't be a substantial difference in the SEC at all, right? Or even Missouri and Oklahoma, whatever. The cultural the culture of the conference would remain the same. Is that a factor? Is that a factor in a big way when it comes to the college football playoff committee and they're sitting there saying, man, ESPN's paying over $600 million a year. Remember, there are just 13 people in that room. All it would take is one committee member in the back of their mind, maybe even not even consciously acknowledging it, saying, we need more people to be watching this playoff so ESPN doesn't get murdered in the ratings and the resulting advertising dollars. 
I'm going to vote for Ohio State. Because I think this is going to be such a tough uh, issue. And remember, we don't see the actual ballots. I think it's likely that this vote comes down to seven and six one way or the other. In other words, Alabama gets six votes, Ohio State gets six votes, and one committee member decides as the 13th member who gets in as the four, either Alabama or Ohio State. Now, the committee's job can get a lot easier if Wisconsin beats Ohio State. Because 13-0 and 0, Wisconsin is in, Ohio State is bumped out. Would be a lot easier for the committee. Committee's job could get a little bit easier maybe if TCU beats Oklahoma because then you could make the argument that both Alabama and Ohio State get in. And then everybody's like, okay, well, I'm happy there's not really a massive debate. Still be a little bit of a debate because TCU would be like, hey, why are we not getting in? But I think most people would be like, okay, I think that's probably the right fit. Maybe TCU gets in as the compromise candidate because Oklahoma beat Ohio State. And some people could be like, wait a minute. How are you going to put in 11 and 2 Ohio State over 11 and 2 Oklahoma when Oklahoma beat Ohio State by 15 head to head? Okay, well then we'll put TCU in instead. I just think the conspiracy theories and the politics on this are getting massive. Here's another question: Could people agree to to? to <laughs> I, I I'm just telling you, it's 13 people on a committee. Could people agree to trade votes on this committee? When they're sitting around, I mean, this is a this is we're talking about a hundreds of millions of dollars of decision here. Could people on the committee decide, you know what? I'm not really sure who I like between Ohio State and Oklahoma, but maybe I'm willing to trade a vote for a vote to be named in the future, or maybe I trade a vote because I want my school to be an overall number one. I'm just saying, I don't buy into this idea that the committee is so above board that there's never anything inappropriate that could go on here. I think there's millions. I mean, we not, I don't think. There are hundreds of millions of dollars at stake, and we just got 13 people in a room saying who they think the best team is, and their ballots are never public. Would you feel comfortable in that if it's going to come down to 7-6 to six Ohio State or 7-6 to six Alabama? I'm just saying. It's such an even contest we're just going to let one random person. Jason Martin, who are the 13 people on this committee this year? Can you pull up the committee? Yeah, Let's I run can. through yeah, this committee right now. Okay. Let's yeah. actually break down the 13 people on the committee for Oklahoma, so, sorry, for Ohio State versus okay. Alabama. Read them one by one. I'll tell you which way they're going to go just based on their backgrounds. Go with us. All right. The chair is Kirby Hocutt, the AD at Texas Tech. AD at Texas Tech, Kirby Hocutt. Where's Kirby from? Do we know his bio? Let's take a pause on Kirby. I don't yeah, know enough okay. about him. Let's I'll, I'll, Here I'll put Kirby off on the side. What do you want his career highlights? I can give them to you. Oh, you got him already. Okay, what's his yeah. background? Director of Athletics at Miami, uh, 2008 through 2011. He worked in Lubbock. He worked at Ohio University. He was an associate AD at Oklahoma uh, for external operations. He worked at Kansas State. So he's been a Where did he go big to school? 12 oriented. Uh, master's degree at the University of Oklahoma. Got his bachelor's at Kansas State. Okay, so a Big Twelve guy. Interesting. Yes. I'm, I'm not sure what Kirby Hocutt's going to do. I'll put him in the toss-up category. Let's move on. Frank Beamer. Frank Beamer, former head coach at Virginia Tech. Who is Frank Beamer going to take? Alabama at eleven and one, or Ohio State at eleven and two? I'm going to put him in the toss-up category too. Let's move on. 
Jeff Bauer, the former head coach of the University of Southern Miss. I'm saying he's going Bama. If you coached at Southern Miss, I don't think you're going to cut a cut. Assuming unless Jeff, I don't know Jeff Bauer's background. Does it have his BA where he's from? Everything yeah. else? Yeah, it's got. All, by the way, got all that stuff. By the way, this is how you work. If you're a lawyer, sometimes when you get judges, you go in and look at their background to try to figure out whether they're likely to be open to your argument. What's Jeff Bauer's background? All right, his educational background, his master's and bachelor's are from Southern Miss, in addition to time as an assistant at Southern Miss for three years and a head coach for 17 years. He also was an assistant at SMU, an assistant at Wake Forest, the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State as well. Okay, so I am putting him in, let's put him in the Alabama check mark. I would be surprised if a quintessentially Southern college football coach votes for an 11-2 and two Ohio State team over an 11-1 and one Alabama. So that's one vote in the Alabama uh, bucket. Herb Deromedy, the former head coach at Central Michigan, who was there for 38 years. He got his bachelor's and master's at the University of Michigan. He's voting for Ohio State, even though it's a Michigan guy and he may hate Ohio State. He's a Big Ten guy if he coached in that state for that long. He's going to vote for Ohio State. That's a bucket Ohio State vote. Chris Howard, who is the president of Robert Morris University, he got Robert his, Morris is in New Jersey, right? Yeah, I believe that's right. Yeah, he got his bachelor's at the Air Force, his doctorate in politics at Oxford, his master's <laughs> degree at Harvard Business School. So this guy's pretty bright. Uh, he was a vice president for leadership and strategic initiatives at the University of Oklahoma. So that's the only other college Man, really. Oklahoma's that he's got had a lot there. of connections, don't they? Like yeah, everybody <laughs> on the committee had to come through Oklahoma. Uh, I'm going to put him in an uncertain bucket as well. Tom Jernstedt, who's the former NCAA executive vice president, he got his bachelor's and master's at Oregon. Uh, he's done things on various councils, like college basketball halls of fame. Uh, U.S. Collegiate Sports Councils. Doesn't look like he's got any ties in terms of his career other than administrative positions at Oregon. All right. I, I'm, I, you know what? I'm going to have to be honest with you. Another bucket of I don't know. Okay. Bobby Johnson, you know him, former head coach at Vanderbilt. Yeah, he's going Bama. Yeah. That's Jeff a vote Long, for Bama. vice chancellor and AD at Arkansas. That, I would think that's a vote for Bama. I would think so, too. Rob Mullins, who's the current AD at Oregon. What's Rob Mullins' background? Uh, Rob Mullins got his bachelor's and master's at West Virginia. He was the senior athletics business manager at Miami for two years, then worked at the University of Maryland in the athletics staff, and then for a long time, from 02 to 06 and then 06 to 10, had two high-ranking positions at the University of Kentucky. Ooh, I would think maybe that's a vote for Bama too. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we got a maybe we got a rigged uh, situation here for Bama with all these uh, with all these Southern voters on the on the poll. Uh, Dan Radakovich, the AD at Clemson. By the way, how in the war do they have to recuse themselves when their own schools are involved? Like this is just so. I mean, in, in all honesty, like the guy from Clemson has to recuse himself from voting on Clemson, right? I mean, how Probably in the war? How in the world can you have the AD for Clemson involved in debating where Clemson should be slotted in the playoff? Like, that's a clear conflict of interest. And I'm not saying anything against this guy at all. I'm just saying, if you told me, let's, uh, let's rank the best-looking women in, uh, in, you know, like in America, and my wife is on the list, like, I'm clearly going to rank my wife higher 
than probably other people would because I'm biased, right? If you told me, like, uh, this is the challenge when you're like a, a dad and you're coaching a team and you have a, your kid on the team, you try to tra- – like, I, I have a six-year-old basketball team that I'm involved with. Like, I try and te- treat my kid tougher sometimes than the other kids would because I'm like, I don't want to show preferential treatment, right? I mean, like, this is – like, how in the world can you anticipate an athletic director from Clemson who is the defending national champion, whose entire paycheck in some level is connected to the success of Clemson football, not looking at the playoff and trying to slot the best possible matchup for Clemson. This guy could be the greatest human on earth. It's impossible for him not to be biased. Like he I, has, he has an amazing resume too. Like in terms of where he's been, got his bachelor's yeah. at at the Indiana University of Pennsylvania, where he was also the tight end punter and student coach. <laughs> then he got his master's degree at Miami. Worked in the athletics office at Miami. Now listen to this. Senior associate athletics director at Long Beach State. Left that to become the CFO of South Carolina in athletics. Then went to American University as the AD. Then the senior associate athletics director at LSU from 2001 to 2006. Uh, was put into the Pennsylvania Sports Hall of Fame. Pardon me, the Beaver County Pennsylvania Sports Hall of Fame in 2008. Became a distinguished alumnus and then took a Georgia Institute of Technology AD job before taking the Clemson gig in 2012. That is a hell of a uh, background. But you would agree with me that if you're a Clemson guy oh, a slotting Clemson, like how in the world is that not a clear conflict? And well, by do the you way, want I, to hear something worse? The next name on the list? Gene yeah. Smith, Director of Athletics at Ohio State. How in the world can Gene <laughs> Smith, when you're having a head-to-head decision, I mean, I mean this honestly, how in the world when you have this thing coming down potentially to a seven versus six vote, can the freaking director of Ohio State be on the committee? I mean, he's going to vote for Ohio State, like beyond a shadow of a doubt. How in the world, in a, in a, just think about this, who is the more deserving team to get into the playoff? Your school that you are the AD of or anyone else in the world? You're voting for your school. And I'm not saying that in a negative way about Gene Smith. I'm just saying, how in the world can you allow this guy to be one of the 13 who is going to decide the college football playoff? The freaking AD of Ohio State? Come on. Like, did nobody think about these conflicts before we decided to put a committee out there? What? Who is the AD of Ohio State going to vote on when it comes down to Ohio State versus Alabama? Uh, he's going to vote on Ohio State. We need to look into what these conflict provisions are. Is he actually allowed to cast a vote for Ohio State to beat Alabama and get into the playoff? I mean, that's madness. All right, who else we also, got? Also, how much charisma does he have in that room? Like, how many people like he, him? I mean, like, that's yeah, another like, argument. That, that's, I mean, and also for horse trading. I mean, what's going to stop Gene Smith from saying, hey, I really need you to help me out here and get Ohio State into the playoff. The Big Ten really needs a team in this year. Next year, I'll take care of you. Because they're on the committee for multiple years. He's like, man, next year it might be the Big 12 that needs help. I'll help you out. Next year it might be the ACC that needs some help. I'll take care of you. I mean, that's what happens in the Senate, right? If you are a United States senator, you horse trade all the time. There's some bill where you're like, I don't know how I'm going to vote on this. This is a tough decision. And your buddies with somebody else from another state, and they come up to you and they say, hey, man, this really matters to my constituents. 
this issue really matters to me. If you help me out here, I'll help you out somewhere down the line. I'll have an IOU when we come to another vote, and I'm just not sure how I'm going to do it. That's crazy that the AD from Ohio State is one of the 13 people who will be deciding whether Ohio State or Alabama get into the playoff. Am I the only person who's even – I haven't heard anybody point this out yet. Like, how is that not a a blatant conflict of interest? Yeah, it's a problem. It's definitely a problem. The two other names, Steve Weiberg, the former college football reporter at USA Today, was one of the founders of USA Today's uh, sports section, named by the Chronicle of Higher Education as one of the ten most powerful people in college sports. I've never heard of him, quite frankly. He's the only one. I am like a billion percent more powerful then what's this guy's name? Steve Weiberg? Steve Weiberg. Nobody nobody on earth knows who Steve Weiberg is. Whoever wrote that article calling him one of the ten most powerful people in college athletics must have been his wife. Because there's no way on earth that anybody out there who matters, like in terms of the audience at large, is any like I am a billion times more powerful than Steve Weiberg. Can you imagine, by the way, if I was on this committee? No, I'd be I can't how amazing would that be? <laughs> If you want to, you, you really would periscope this. live from inside of it. Well, frankly, when it's this close, I think every debate should have to actually take place publicly. You know, you can't have the Senate when they get around and they make a decision. They have a public debate. I think it should be public, and I think everybody else should be able to see the ballots. Here's the other question, by the way: What if Gene Smith is like? Not only am I going to vote Ohio State in, but I'm going to vote Ohio State in as the two. Right, I'm not even going to vote them in as the fourth most deserving team. I'm going to vote them in as the third most deserving team. And I'm dropping Alabama all the way to six on my ballot. Right, It's not just that you can vote your guy in. It's that you can knock everybody else's guy that you know is actually your head-to-head competition further down the ballot. Because they're not releasing these ballots. What's to stop Gene Smith from saying, you know what, I think Ohio State's the best team in the country. I'm voting Ohio State one. Other than the fact that other people in that room will see what he's doing and be like, man, this is really shady. Other than that, what is to stop that from happening? And does everybody else in the room even see how everybody else votes or is it completely closed ballot? They write them down and they send them in and nobody even knows who voted who. I'm telling you, This is going to be such a tight race if it comes down to Alabama versus Ohio State that I want to know all these voting mechanics. Who else is out there? By the way, Weiberg's current occupation, writer and editor in the Public Affairs Department of the Kansas City Public Library. So just to throw that out there. So we just have a random librarian on the committee? Uh, Yeah, I mean, he had a lot of things that he did, but he's just a journalist in terms of that. He's the only one without some kind of football tie. Tyrone Willingham is the last one. Tyrone Willingham, who is now, what does Tyrone Willingham do now? What's he doing now? He's retired. He was original. Obviously, he was at Notre Dame. He also coached at Washington. He coached at Stanford before he coached at Notre Dame as well. And he got his bachelor's degree at Michigan State. So he's going to vote for Ohio State, probably. All right, that's our breakdown. I hope as you're listening to this, you're like, man, this is a recipe for disaster. We got the freaking AD of Ohio State on a committee deciding who the better team is, Ohio State or Alabama. Tell me how that's fair. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick, the coverage. Up next, it's Alex Marvez. We'll break down everything in the NFL. Then we'll take some of your calls. If you want to load up the phone lines now, you can. 877-996-6369. This is Outkick, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio.
Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Jason Martin, you looked up some of the recusal and conflict-related issues when it comes to if you're affiliated or receiving money from a school. Yeah, the recusal policy for the college football playoff committee, they're recused, members are recused for participating in votes involving a school's team if they or an immediate family member received compensation from that school or has a professional relationship with that school. There's an option to add other recusals for special circumstances. The terms of the policy are recused members shall not participate in any votes nor be present during deliberations involving the team's selection or seating, may only answer factual questions about the institution from which the member is recused. It's identical, basically, to the NCAA men's basketball selection committee policy. But this is different because on the conference basketball committee policy, like there are 65 or whatever it is, 68 teams now that make the college football, make the college basketball tournament. And frankly, it's not that big of a deal whether you're an eight or a nine seed. Here we're talking about you either make the playoff or you don't. And so he wouldn't be able to vote at all on Ohio State. So you only have 12 people deciding Ohio State, but he can vote on Alabama. So that's still a pretty big conflict, isn't it? Because if you can't vote for your school, you can still vote against the other school. Yeah, and well, you could also stack the deck too. Like you could still do your best if you were trying to vote to, to make sure that matchups all fit. And yeah, you could obviously try to do that as well. There's another question that's asked on the website about why ads are on the committee at all, and it says they have the best knowledge of the sport. The committee is much stronger with their participation. The goal is to make the selection committee the best and most knowledgeable. Here's ADs the problem. Act in the best interest of the game. Here's the problem with all this, and I'm going to get into this later this week, and maybe even later in this show. The problem with it is, and I've been on this for a while, you replaced AP voters, like whatever it is, 63 guys who vote in a poll on the best teams, and the coaches, who obviously also have their own conflict, with 13 people. The smaller a poll of voters is, the bigger the conflict when one of them has a substantial conflict like this. The AD of Ohio State is going to potentially have to decide Ohio State versus Alabama as the biggest decision that has to be made. And he's voting on Alabama. And he's able to lobby on behalf of Ohio State. And there's only 13 members. So if he convinces one person to follow his argument, then it actually makes things that... I mean, that's a, that's a huge difference in the vote, right? Like, if you have 500 people voting and five of them get swayed by an argument... It's not that big of a deal because there's still 495 other people out there to try to balance out the vote. When you've only got 13 people and we think this Ohio State versus Alabama debate is going to come down to such a minuscule difference, if Gene Smith gets one person to change their mind or if he votes Alabama a little bit lower than a completely impartial person may have done, then Alabama may not make the playoff. I'm going to bring in Alex Marvez. Anyway, this is something that I think is going to be a big story. Uh, Marvez is uh, ready to roll. Uh, Actually, you know what? We probably need to do. Let's bring in Eddie Garcia and get the update. Then we'll go to Marvez. All right, Clay, let's start off with Monday Night Football where the Ravens beat the Texans 23-16. Baltimore is now 6-5 of the season. They're back into the playoff picture in the AFC, holding down that final wildcard spot and knocking Buffalo, at least for the moment, out of a playoff spot. Houston's 4-7 with that loss. News from the NFL where Raiders wide receiver Michael Crabtree and Broncos corner Aqib Tlaib were each suspended for two games without pay as a result of their ejection following that 
on-field fight in Sunday's game in Oakland. Some NBA games of note, Pistons beat the Celtics 118-108 in a battle of the top two teams in the East. Warriors lose at home to the Kings 110-106, but Golden State didn't have stars Steph Curry or Kevin Durant out because of injury. Cavaliers won their eighth in a row, beating the 76ers 113-91. This report's brought to you by True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And Clay, the Memphis Grizzlies, who have lost eight straight, fired their head coach David Fisdale in just his second season on the job. He was 50 and 51 in 101 games as head coach of the Grizzlies. Take that for data. Oh, man, what a way to go. Uh, this NFL discussion, Alex Marvez, brought to you by our friends at True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Alex Marvez, are you happy to have Dan Mullen now as the new head coach down at the University of Florida? Oh, you better believe it. Yes, we have a head coach, by the way. Just wanted to uh, point that out. And uh, By the way, thank you for not making me sign that memorandum of understanding before coming on the show. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, we got to get done that. we got to get NDAs, too. Uh, lots of uh, inappropriate behavior going on during the show, so i got to make sure that everybody signs an NDA so uh, we don't end up uh, – I don't want Cooper charging me with sexual harassment um, somewhere down the line. That would be tough for me to explain away to my wife. Um, all right, so uh, when you look at the NFL picture right now, yes. we thought a couple of weeks ago – that the NFC playoff picture was actually going to be the really complicated one, and the AFC, it was going to be hard to find teams that are going to be able to compete for the wild card spots. I'm starting to think that it's actually the opposite now because the collapse of the Kansas City Chiefs losing five of their last six puts the Raiders and the Chargers within hailing distance of actually winning that division. Meanwhile, if you look at the NFC, I'm not sure anybody other than Seattle, what with the recent loss by the Lions to the game in their in their game against the Vikings on, on Thanksgiving, I'm not sure they can compete at all. So we may only have one viable wild card competitor in the Seahawks down the stretch uh, versus several in the AFC. Is that a crazy way of looking at things or has the, have the league shifted a little bit? No, it has shifted a little bit. You're right about that. And listen, Baltimore now, you know, starting to surge a little bit here at 6-5, and five, and they're tied with the Bills, but they have that tiebreaker edge right now. But does anyone feel confident in the Bills down the stretch? You feel a lot better about the Baltimore Ravens because of their track record. Listen, they're going to get there in the postseason, in my opinion. They're going to get there ugly because this is what the Baltimore Ravens do, and nobody wants to play them because they will beat you up. And you know what? Even if you win that game, in a lot of ways you lose because of the physical toll it takes playing against these guys. Now, one thing to watch though clay and this gets curious here and it's not just because of of houston you know they're out of it right now i don't see them rallying you know especially behind tom savage over the next five games for them but will tennessee or jacksonville take a step back you know the schedule is such that you say no but do we really trust that any of these teams you know could there be a potential collapse where tennessee loses four of its final five or three of its final five the same goes for jacksonville you know after the performance we saw against uh, against arizona and would they potentially fall back into the and could there be a team like Kansas City that potentially goes as a wild card if the Chargers are able to catch up with them at 9-7? and seven? We can't totally discount the Raiders. It is very muddled right now in the AFC. And I guess until Monday Night Football passes, we can't totally count out the Bengals either in this playoff race, but they got to win Monday night against Pittsburgh at home. Otherwise, forget about it. All right, so you just mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs. They looked like world beaters to start this season I believe they came out five and oh they went on the road opening Thursday night they beat the Patriots teams evolve over the course of the season and all of their evolution has been towards Neanderthal football they are now they've reversed the evolutionary chain and they're actually going in a bad direction 
They're one in five in their last six. What in the world's happening? Well, they didn't play Tyler Bray. I mean, it's obvious that that's what's going <laughs> yes. on in Kansas City. Uh, no, you know what? It, teams caught up with them. They caught up with the gimmick offense, and they and, and they've stopped taking the shots downfield that they once did. So defenses continue to creep toward the line of scrimmage. It, it's almost like a, a horizontal offense rather than a vertical offense, right? Throw the wide receiver screen and hope that a guy can make a play in space. And they just simply don't have a ton of offensive weapons. And the defense is a shell of what it was. The defense used to set up the offense, right? And, and it was fine. But now this defense is really hurting. They're not getting good pass rush. D. Ford has been sidelined. Tom Bahali, who knows what you get from him at this point. He's really broken down. They've never really effectively placed Eric Berry at safety. And when you're signing Darrell Revis at this point of the season, what does that tell you about how you feel about your secondary? And that that loss to the Buffalo Bills was a damning loss because this is a Bills team that was really on the ropes. And, you know, after the, the loss of the Chargers and the Nate Peterman experience and the Urban Sombrero and all that came with it, you know, th- this was a team that was ready to fold and said the Chiefs find a way to lose. Now, of course, are the Chargers going to become the Chargers again, right? Lose a game that they should win along the way, let special teams cost them. They're only 12 of 19 on field goals this season. Things like that that, that just happen toward this franchise. Are they going to fall short of catching the Chiefs, the Raiders, I mean, can they keep it together? You're starting to see them run the football more now, try to grind it out, try to take some of the pressure off that defense. So, and listen, the Chiefs, what once was a certainty at 5-0, and as you obviously play, not a certainty to make the postseason at all. Alice, can you come back with this final segment for a couple more minutes? Yeah, you blew format, I know. I'll cover for you again, no problem. Uh, I did blow format. That's a radio. I, I mean, you're on top of things. Um, yeah, we went long on the open. I got so riled up talking about this college football playoff committee. Um, so we're going to come back with Alex Marvez. We'll talk more NFL final segment of Hour 2. But first, got to tell you, here are some car laws you might not know about. In Alabama, illegal to drive blindfolded. In Oklahoma, illegal to read comic books while driving. And in Russia... It's illegal to drive a dirty car. Here's something else you might not know about cars that's really helpful and won't get you in trouble with the law. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. Here's something else you might not know. True Car users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with TrueCar certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Back with Alex Marvez. More on the NFL playoff picture and more next final segment. Outkick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago as well. With TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Um, I uh, am here now with my guy Alex Marvez. We're talking about the NFL. Alex, uh, we were just talking about the playoff picture. NFC South. NFC South right now, we have three of the six playoff teams in. You've got the Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons, and the New Orleans Saints who lost a tough game against the Rams. All three of those teams would be in the playoffs if the season ended today. Do you think all three will be able to keep up this pace, obviously with several of these inter-conference and inter-divisional games going on down the stretch? Or is that a situation where it's almost impossible for three from the same division to make the playoff? 
It's a toughie because you're, you're right. They are going to cannibalize themselves. But, man, I, I just find it so hard to count any of these teams out. Listen, the Saints got hit by injuries in their secondary, and after winning eight straight games, I just felt like a letdown was inevitable for this team. You know, just you're playing the odds, right? And you're playing a Rams team that had just gotten their tails kicked by the Minnesota Vikings on the road. They This was a statement game for them, so to speak. So that, that outcome didn't surprise me. The Panthers escaped the trap game against the Jets. That was big. You know, they actually gave up more than 400 yards of offense during that game, which is so uncharacteristic of the Panthers, right? But still, they got they got past it. I think, you know, this game against New Orleans, obviously, on Sunday is a biggie. But how do I discount the Falcons? And I talked to Matt Ryan after the game on Sunday. And Matty told me, you know, listen, the reason we're starting to play a little bit better on offense are these third-down conversions. And when you look at it, they're number one in the NFL right now in third-down conversion rate. But they were especially good on Sunday against Tampa Bay. The past three weeks, there's something like 64% on third downs, which is ridiculous, right? And he's saying that by being out there, we're really starting to be able to get into a rhythm. Now, what alarms me a little bit is a defense that seems to run out of gas as the game goes on. You know, they're just not able, like, you know, Tampa Bay able to creep back in that game. Seattle, at times where the Falcons looked like they could pull away on Monday Night Football, they didn't. The Seahawks hung around. So I have a little bit of skepticism about that. But, you know, when you look at Seattle and their next three games, Clay, you're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles, you're talking about uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road, Road, and then the Los Angeles Rams. You know, and then you got Zeke Elliott, by the way, coming back on, on December 24th. I mean, this is just such a rough stretch for the Seahawks. I can really see them fading. I don't buy into the Detroit Lions, so that's why I'm still pretty bullish on the NFC South getting there, but a lot's going to depend upon whether Seattle can weather this storm. And without Richard Sherman, without Cam Chancellor, without Cliff Averill, eh, not buying it. Who's better, Steelers or Patriots? Uh, you know what? You know, Steelers may win. In, in week 15, but I still I can't go against New England. Pittsburgh's so erratic, you know, and you don't know what you get from week to week. But play one thing I found out too, and it's finally dawning upon me after 23 years of doing this: these these conference games or you know conference matchups where where a team plays another team after not facing them for four years, they're so unpredictable. And I'm trying not to draw too many conclusions from this Pittsburgh Green Bay game, right? Because I just can't buy into Brett Hundley as as being you know the absolute answer at, at quarterback. But then again, you know I look. And he play, had to play the Ravens the previous week again. Another unfamiliar opponent. It, it's just hard for me to make snap judgments based upon games between two opponents who really don't face each other. You don't spend a lot of time game planning for them because you don't see them on a regular basis. In terms of you're, you're going into uncharted waters, so to speak. If I can throw any more cliches out there, I will let you know. That being said, I think the Steelers will be able to catch the Patriots because that'll be the end of a three-game road swing for New England by that point. Also, coming off a short week playing Monday Night Football in Miami, then having to go to Pittsburgh. And listen, you saw the. the pregame interview with Mike Tomlin and Tony Dungy. Tomlin admits it. Look, we're looking forward to week 15. If he can just keep his team's focus on the task at hand, I think Pittsburgh could win that game, but let's not forget New England tried and true. And by the way, they've beaten the Steelers before on the road in AFC AFC Conference Championship games twice under Bill Belichick. So do I buy? I think the Steelers may be the best team in some ways but and it might get that home field advantage but I think New England's still going to the Super Bowl. Do you buy into this idea that Dak Prescott has got significant issues now because Ezekiel Elliott's not there? Or do you think this is an example, which is maybe even more alarming to Cowboy fans, of NFL defenses starting to catch up with what Dak Prescott can and can't do well? I I think it's more an example of what Jason Garrett and his staff can and can't do well. 
and you know what I don't think they did well was a, was plan for Zeke Elliott being out. But then again, look, you know, Dak Pre- Des Bryant right now, and I think the Cowboys have a, a real serious decision that they've got to make with Des in the off season. They're paying him like a number one wide receiver. He is a number two receiver. Clay, he can't get open. He he doesn't have speed. He's a nice you know possession guy. I look at him as like maybe an Anquan Bolden type, which isn't an insult. It's just I, I don't think he's a number one guy. They don't make chunk plays down the field anymore. And you know, listen, we can we can talk about the offensive line and that's had its, its issues. I don't put this one on Dak. I, I put this one on the Cowboys not having a good game plan for when Zeke Elliott went out. I also look at it as just not having a very good complement of, of front line wide receivers. The Cole Beasleys of the world are fine. Terrence Williams are fine, but you got to have that number one guy, in my opinion, to help fuel your offense. Look at it in Pittsburgh. Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger, they all feed off each other. Well, in this case, there is no number one wide receiver. And then when you take out the, another, the number one running back in Zeke Elliott, well, what do you got? you got a mess right now in Dallas. Oh, and by the way, you know, when Sean Lee isn't on the field, forget about it. I mean, I think Keenan Allen is still catching passes right now, five <laughs> days later, against the Dallas Cowboys secondary, just like he did on Thanksgiving. Who wins the AFC South, the Titans or the Jags? I'm going to go with the Titans because I just can't buy into I mean, and I know Marcus Mariota. You know, ever since the mustache has come, have you noticed that <laughs> he hasn't played well with the stash? Yes. It's got to go, brother. Look, you already got one coach, like, not hired by the balls. Can you potentially work here to try to get rid of the stash for your own team's well-being? Well, I think it's got to go now because it was a November November move, right? So the, the now he's moving into December. I think he's going to take this thing off. There's no stopping the Titans now. I agree with you. I think the Titans are going to find a way to win the AFC South. Yeah, and listen, Jacksonville, I just don't believe in Blake Bortles. Look at, there's a chart out there on the interwebs, and I believe everything I read, by the way, I would, <laughs> about Blake Bortles. Number of completions past 10 yards against the Arizona Cardinals. He just couldn't get it done. Teams are playing four-man front. They're saying Leonard Fournette's not going to beat us. Blake Bortles is going to have to beat us. Blake Bortles isn't beating people. You know, so that's why this is a, you know, again, with Jacksonville, the schedule sets up. It's not, it, it's on paper, it's very easy, but this is a Jags team to me where I think the bottom could start to fall out a little bit. And, I, and you know, not like, I think, you know, listen, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, right? And that's how I look at the Tennessee Titans in that division. You know, look, they're not great by any means, but they have some things that they do well. But Marcus, you know, again, just got to tighten up his game a little bit. But listen, going to Indianapolis, a place they had never won before, you saw Jim Mercer opening there. up the I room. got to cut you off here as we go yeah. out. Alex Marvez brought to you by True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for this. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote as well. Duralast batteries are designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions. They're built with patented technology to reduce damage due to vibration and deliver the most power during startup. They're proven tough and sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone couple of uh, different stories. One, like we haven't even hardly talked about this today because it's still just such a uh, work in progress, but the Tennessee uh, search for a college football coach continues, and we're going to play you some audio before this segment is done of WWE Raw last night when Tennessee fans began to chant during Raw, which was taking place in Knoxville, fire John Curry. That's their athletic director the search ongoing for who the next coach at Tennessee will be. I'm hearing all sorts of things, and there's a lot of uncertainty, obviously, now in the wake of Greg Schiano not being hired. I will reiterate this. He didn't admit to it. He's sounding a lot like a coach in, uh, in a press conference when he's asked about his interest. Jason Witten has had meetings with John Curry about his interest in being a Tennessee football coach 
if they came further down the list than the top-tier candidates. Not saying it's going to happen, but Jason Witten, yes, the tight end for the Dallas Cowboys, I am telling you, 100 billion percent, I would stake every dollar that I own. That's how confident I am and who has given me this information. Would be interested in taking the Tennessee job if they continue to work through the list and are not able to find a top candidate. Jason Witten, Dallas Cowboy tight end. I reiterate it. I will put every dollar that I own on my confidence in that story. So uh, he said, I think I've got the quote. He said, uh, for those of you out there who heard the final hour yesterday, I floated this and then wrote about it on OutKick. Let's see. He said in response to questions, I mean, University of Tennessee is my alma mater. It's just a storied program, a proud program. I have so many great relationships relationships up there over the years. And since John Curry came back as the AD, had a lot of great conversations with him and have a good relationship with him. I know they are. There's a lot of smart people around him. They're working hard to hire and make the right hire to get our program back. I'm confident they'll do that. For me, certainly, coaching is something I can see myself doing down the road, having one of those opportunities. But right now, I'm all in with this team. My feet are planted firmly here. And this opportunity they have in 2017 and getting it right this week. And not only that, but I really love this team we have and what we're trying to build and get it right right now and for beyond for the future. So I feel too good to think that I'd consider something like that at this point. He would and he would leave. I'm just telling you. You can believe me or you cannot believe me. I would bet every single dollar that I own on the fact that Jason Witten would leave the Dallas Cowboys and take over as the coach. If that happened. I know it's a crazy uh, situation as Tennessee works through their coaching hire. I don't think the offer is going to get to him, but I'm just telling you right now, if he got offered the Tennessee job, he would quit playing for the Dallas Cowboys and he would take over as the next coach at the University of Tennessee. If you think this story can't get any crazier, that is a possibility. And again, I'm reading directly from Jason Witten's responses, and everybody immediately said, oh, Clay Travis has no idea what he was talking about. I would bet every dollar that I own, every dollar that I own on Jason Witten being willing to leave the Dallas Cowboys and take over the University of Tennessee head coaching job. That's how confident I am. People can say, oh, Clay Travis, he's an idiot. He's out. I have to tell you right now, I would put my money where my mouth is on this story. I would put every dollar that I own on Jason Witten being willing to leave the Dallas Cowboys to take over the University of Tennessee coaching job. All right, the other story. that I think I think this is going to turn into a big story tonight when the college football playoff rankings come out. Now, I've actually done this before. Uh, for two years, when I was working at Fox Sports, we did a college football playoff committee mock selection show. And my guy Petros was on it with me. He's going to be my next guest here on the show in Hour 3. Petros Papadakis, uh, 570 AM Sports in Los Angeles. He did it with me, and he just did it recently. I saw that they did it uh, like the last week or so. Um, And so I know exactly how the playoff selection committee works. So for people out there who say, oh, you have no idea. He has to recuse himself when they're talking. Just stop, all right? I'm more informed about this than you are. But... For everybody else out there, Jason Martin, you pulled up the, the way this works. Somebody wants to see me actually do a mock playoff selection committee show. I've done this for hours as a part of Fox for two years. I think it was two years. might have been three years we did it. Stuart Mandel, Bruce Feldman, me, Joel Klatt, Petros Papadakis, um, Dave Wanstead, Rob Stone, 
and uh, that was the crew. Jason Whitlock, I think, did it one year with us. Um, and it's a pretty fun exercise to rank the teams and see how it all works out. But in terms of how teams get ranked, what I am saying is a potential massive story is that Ohio State's athletic director is one of the 13 people. There's only 13 people on the college football playoff selection committee. And I believe it is likely to end up 11-1 Alabama versus 11-2 Ohio State when all is said and done. Why do I believe that? Clemson or Auburn is in. Sorry, Auburn or Georgia is in. Clemson or Miami is in. SEC and ACC title games. If Oklahoma wins to get to 12-1, they are unquestionably in. They would be in right now as well. That fourth spot, if Ohio State beats Wisconsin, and Ohio State is a full touchdown favorite right now, so a pretty substantial favorite in the Big Ten title game, and all you Wisconsin people tweeting me, oh, we're going to dominate Ohio State. Okay, good, more power to you. I hope that you guys can get to 13-0, and make it a really easy decision, because a 13-0 and Wisconsin is in, and there's not a lot of debate about it, okay? But, but... If it comes down to 11-2 Ohio State versus 11-1 Alabama, which I think is most likely, how in the world can one of the 13 people deciding who makes the playoff be the Ohio State athletic director? And you can say, oh, he's got to recuse himself. Oh, he can't vote. But, Jason Martin, how does this actually take place? How does the voting take place? Because it's a little bit confusing. I remember the first time I did it as a member of a mock playoff selection committee, I was surprised by how the process played out. Tell people out there who may not know the nitty-gritty of how this uh, uh, playoff selection is made. Okay, so I went through the through the website and through all the procedures and kind of tried to boil it down so it's more simple. The first step, members list the top 30 teams in the country in no order. The second step, the members list the top six in order. That's called the listing step. If you're a recused member, for example, Gene Smith at Ohio State, he cannot list a recused team. If that team is within a vote, that team would then get pulled with the teams receiving the fewest votes. And that's a little convoluted, but generally he's not going to be able to mention it. All right. Number three, all those rankings are added together from one to six. Three with the fewest points become the top three seeds. Which in will, the by the way, playoffs. not be complicated probably this year. The top three seeds, I'm telling you right now, after the conference title games, likely the top three seeds are going to be whoever wins the SEC between Auburn and Georgia. I'm trying to simplify this for everybody out there listening. Top three seeds. Probably whoever wins the ACC. I think it's fair to say Clemson or Miami. And... Whoever wins, I believe, if Oklahoma does, I should say, if Oklahoma beats TCU as they're favored to do, that would be your top three. So you would have those three teams. And then the debate would be, again, over the fourth team. So the top three would be on the board. They're out of the discussion. And then your debate would be, okay, who's the four? My position on this, he's not allowed to vote in the top six. What if Gene Smith makes Alabama his number seven team? That's a pretty substantial difference, right? Because the total pool of votes comes into play here. Then he has to leave, and then he's not allowed to discuss. Does that mean that he doesn't have a ballot for the top six at all? So you actually only have 12 people deciding this? Yeah, basically, all the rankings get added together from one to six. Like I said, the three with the fewest points become the top three seeds. Then the members list the six best remaining teams. 
if that team, that recused team, is part of that six, then he's out again. Like he's not part of these steps at all. The only thing he can do is list the top six in the listing phase. Can't rank at all in terms of when it actually starts to get added. So they add the six best remaining teams in no order after they get these top three. You've made this way too complicated. Nobody no, out there is so. able. Nobody is out there right now who's listening to us is able to understand this. Basically, all right. it up in listen, a listen. sentence. The top okay, three the best, get pulled out. Top three get pulled out. Then the next six get listed again in a separate vote, and they get put in no order. And then the top three, in terms of votes of those six, get held over to the next step. And at no point after when you first list the six teams originally. Does it? Does anybody that's recused get any part of this at all? Not voting, not discussing, not deliberating. The only thing that a recused member can do is answer direct questions about that school factually. Nobody who's listening to this right now can understand at all what's going on. Here's the basic way that you end up with this. The top three teams end up ranked. And then the next discussion phase is over you narrow it down to three teams, and then one of those three teams will be selected for the playoff. They made it way too complicated in terms of what's going on. Effectively, you've got a poll going on. The takeaway here is, as I am understanding it from you, Gene Smith will not be able to vote on Ohio State. He'll be able to lobby and outside and everything else, but that would in theory mean that only 12 people are able to vote on who the fourth best team is in the college football playoff. Correct? Generally, yeah. When you said lobby, that would have to be that's outside of the rules. He would not be able to lobby technically. He can lobby. The only thing he, he can, can do lobby, is answer look, questions. He can lobby outside of the room is what I'm saying. Right, I'm saying like that's outside be, the rules. That's outside the rules though. And the, the way the rules are confined is the only thing that he is able to do is answer direct questions about Ohio State factually without now, providing here, any here kind is, of subjective commentary. Here is my other question. Clemson's athletic director is also on this board, right? Yes. So is he allowed to vote for four through six if Clemson is ranked in the top three? That's an interesting question. That's not one of the things that's discussed. But if your team is in that top six, then you're not part of the ranking phase at all. So in theory, we could have only, like, we've basically knocked down all the way a 13-person committee to actually only 11 people would be voting on who the four best, fourth best team is, if that's the way that it's being applied. You understand my logic yes. there? If yes, you're having yes. to recuse Clemson because the Clemson athletic director is involved, I don't think it's going to be that much of a conflict if Clemson gets in. I think most people would say, hey, 12-1 and one, Clemson is going to be in. But he would have to be recused as well. You've managed to create a 13-person committee and then cut it down to an 11-person committee based on the fact that two of those ADs would not be able to be involved. So actually, you're only going to have 11 people deciding who the fourth best team in college football is. Right? Yep. Yep. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? I don't think most people think about the nitty-gritty of how the college football playoff committee works. I think they just look at the ratings, uh, the rankings, I'm sorry, uh, 1 to 25, and then they're like, okay, well, there's the rankings. They don't think about the like, how is the hot dog made here. What you're actually going to end up with is an athletic director from Ohio State who is on a committee technically is allowed to vote, I think, in the initial rating, 
rankings. So he could put Alabama outside of the top six. Alabama's probably going to make the top six, but he could leave them at seven. The other thing is nobody on this committee's ballot is actually ever public. So if somebody decides that they want to take a shot at a rival or they've got some poor relationship with a school, they can do it almost without with impunity. And it matters in a big way because I think we just discovered that we're only going to have 11 guys in – I think it's all dudes, right? Is Condoleezza Rice still on the committee or she's rotated No, she's off? not on it anymore. So it's 11 dudes. So basically only 11 people decide who's going to be on the college football playoff. That yes, doesn't seem that would I mean be that, that that's crazy to me. We just have 11 people, random guys out there. Think about the impact of every individual voter and the fact that we have a clear conflict with Ohio State's AD on the committee. This is just a bad I I've been on this for a long time. It's a bad way to select the playoff. And I think the, the reason why I'm bringing all this up is when you have a difficult decision to make and I think 11-2 and two Ohio State versus 11-1 and one Alabama would be a difficult decision for many people. When you have a bad decision, a difficult decision to make, what you frequently end up with is this is when we go in and we look at the way that something is constructed, right? When Remember back in 2000 when Al Gore and George W. Bush had that big debate uh, that went all the way to the Supreme Court over the election in Florida? Elections in America are messy. They are oftentimes not perfect, like everything that humans are involved in. But usually, the imperfection of our elections doesn't end up on a national stage because usually it's not that close. Usually, it doesn't matter that we got a butterfly ballot in Palm Beach County and a bunch of Jewish people accidentally voted for Pat Buchanan instead of Al Gore usually their error would get rounded out over the fact that millions of people are voting. It's not going to come down to like 100 votes one way or the other. What I'm saying here is this situation is going to be so close if if I am projecting what actually ends up happening, ends up happening. Ohio State versus Alabama, okay? This is a clear conflict of interest for the athletic directors. And if you have to pull out Clemson and you have to pull out Ohio State as their athletic directors, there are only 11 people that are going to end up voting on who is going to make the college football playoff. And it might be a six to five vote. It might be six people saying Bama. It might be six people saying Ohio State versus five saying the other way. And that's actually how a decision is made about who makes the playoff. That is, now, we don't see the ballots either, which I think is really unfair because it, the, the reason why this could end up happening is there could be somebody who ranks Alabama number six overall or Ohio State number six overall, and somebody is driving them down in terms of overall votes because they're not even putting them in that four or five spot, right? I'm saying that it should be Alabama versus Ohio State, but if you really know that you want your school to win and get in at four, you would go Alabama four, Ohio State six, or Ohio State four, Alabama six, and hurt them in the point total, right? If you're voting in a way to magnify your opinion, you wouldn't just put Alabama four or Ohio State four. You would put their opponent all the way down at six so they get fewer total points. This, I mean, I'm just telling you, 
this is a recipe for disaster. They always say, you don't want to know how the hot dog is made. Well, if it's a tough decision, you need to figure out how the hot dog is made. And what we found out in 2000 was, man, our electoral system, there's a lot of flaws to it. And we went all the way to the Supreme Court to have to figure out who won that election. I think this, we don't even have the actual ballots So nobody even knows. I've been saying for a long time you need to put out every single committee member's votes. You can say, oh, the college football coaches voting in their college football poll, which doesn't matter, but that poll exists. Oh, it's such a conflict of interest. Well, you're right, which is why they release every single college football coaches poll. So you can see exactly how they rank the teams. Why are we not doing that for the college football playoff committee too? Shouldn't every member of the committee have to release their overall poll? Shouldn't we be able to look at it and be like, oh man, here's where the fix was in. I'm just a guy who believes in shining lights on dark corners because that's where conspiracies live. Bright light, sunshine is the ultimate antidote to corruption. Don't have it here. I'm telling you the fix could be in. We'll talk to Petros Papadakis about this. He and I have been on mock selection committees before. See whether he buys into any of this. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on car insurance. As well with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off the MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. A lot of people weighing in. Lots of people had no idea in terms of the explanation that was going on there, uh, Jason Martin. So the easiest way to say it, I think I am correct in this, is ultimately the top three teams get pulled out and ranked. And then there is a debate about the teams that are voted four, five, and six, and they re-rank them. In other words, having done this several times on the playoff committee myself, it's tough to explain if you have not actually done this. If you are doing it, it isn't as complicated. But effectively... You rank one, two, and three as their own group. You debate them, one, two, and three. You have your own vote about one, two, and three. And then you have the four, five, and six teams, the teams that received the most votes to be in the fourth, fifth, and sixth spot. You debate what order they should be in there, and then you re-vote. My understanding is only 11 people in theory would be able to do that, and that's assuming that some of these guys don't have a further conflict. Right, Because somebody else could raise their hand and say, hey, I got a kid who's enrolled at Alabama. Or I got a kid who's right now enrolled at Wisconsin or whatever school it's going to be, and they would then have to step out of the room. Right? This is a messy situation. We're going to talk to Petros Papadakis about it here momentarily. He's supposed to call us back in. Um, But that's a simple way of putting it, right, Jason Martin? And in theory, neither the Clemson AD nor the Ohio State AD would be able to vote on this ranking yeah the last part's definitely true um and that would leave only 11 people and then there are other conflicts of interest like you mentioned if any family member at all is receiving any money from any of the universities or so any if, you of the a, if you have if you have a daughter done. or a son that's a professor at any of these schools that are in debate you would have to recuse yourself too i mean you could end up with nine people actually able to vote yeah, in I theory, mean, or fewer. Yes. I mean, who knows? I mean, we know right now that if this plays out as Vegas would expect it to play out, that there are only going to be 11 people voting on who the best college football teams are. Yes. That is crazy. I think most people out there right now, 
have no idea how the college football playoff committee works from that perspective. I think they are stunned that that's the way this thing is set up. Right? That it ultimately comes down to this situation. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not ideal. There's also You could also be recused if you have a family member that happens to coach or work in athletics in another school as well. So like technically you could have anybody else inside your family that could be a coach somewhere that's not even near where you are and you still would have to recuse if one of those schools was around. There's a lot of very special circumstances and all this. It's, it's, it's convoluted and very complicated, but the idea that you're losing people off of a small committee already, which then makes everybody's vote that much more important from a percentage standpoint, is concerning. It's problematic. How about the idea that you have sitting athletic directors on the committee to begin with? I mean, we're talking about what could be a readily apparent conflict of interest. And I'm saying not even for Ohio State or Clemson, whose ADs both happen to be sitting on this committee too and whose teams potentially are going to be in discussion to make the playoff. I'm talking about the athletic directors in these respective conferences. Because if I'm the athletic director who is representing the Big 12, all five big conferences have different athletic directors on this committee, I believe. That's a big difference to the overall revenue that my conference gets if a team makes the playoff because that's millions of dollars coming back to my school, not to mention all of the additional attention that a school gets from having a team make the playoff. Petros Papadakis is with us now. Petros, you've done this before on the uh, the playoff selection committee with me. I continue to be on the roller coaster of sometimes Fox loves me, sometimes they hate me, and I'm not on the committee this year. But you did this. You helped to seed the teams. What we're just like breaking down is there are only 13 guys on this committee. With the way that Clemson and Ohio State are playing, it's likely they're going to be in the top six, which would mean their ADs are out of the mix as well, which means only 11 people are voting. This is kind of a recipe for disaster when you really think about it, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I have as much faith in these people as I have with the room full of people working for Fox that we yeah, we've done this and we've had these debates we've literally done the exact same thing and it's like at least in Fox like you know some biases right like you're probably going to be a little bit skewed towards respecting the Pac-12 more I'm certainly going to be more skewed towards respecting the SEC more the idea that anybody in college football is impartial is patently absurd it is the most partial of all of our sports right and we all watch just as much college football as anybody on the committee, I can guarantee you that. We just Definitely. don't have the private jets and the super iPads that they have in Grapevine, Texas, and we're probably <laughs> not as rich as those people. I mean, I don't know. You spend a lot of time telling everybody how rich you are. I've gotten pretty rich lately, but I'm not rich <laughs> enough to live where you live in California either. So you, you're, you're rich compared to everybody else probably who's listening right now. That's Palos Verdes, a rock star. I mean, can you imagine trying to convince Condoleezza Rice uh, about uh, Alabama playing a Mercer in November right before they play the Iron Bowl? I mean, h- how are these conversations any different from the ones that we have just because somebody's an administrator or somebody who's very accomplished in the sport, it doesn't mean anything different. It's completely and totally subjective, and of course it's a recipe for disaster. And now Joel Klatt hates me right now because he's turned into Greg Schiano's greatest defender in all the media. But I want to give Joel credit here because he's talked about this for a while coming in, about the clear conflict of putting sitting athletic directors on this committee because the conference benefits by tens of millions of dollars 
if a team makes the playoff. Let's say Ohio State versus Alabama. That's a big difference in paychecks for the SEC versus the Big Ten. There are millions of dollars at stake for those sitting athletic directors. How could they not be influenced to support the team that is going to directly benefit the pocket of their conference? Are you Catholic? Uh, 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 no. Halfway? Now, I, I was raised Southern Baptist, which means, like, basically I don't believe, you know, in, like, uh, that I believe, like, the world is, like, seven days old. I mean, that's, okay, the, way cool. that, <laughs> that's uh, the way that I was raised. Like, the, the, the most evangelical of the evangelical faiths is pretty much Southern Baptist. Like, well, I'm not even that sure the, that the Southern Baptists believe women can wear pants right now. Uh, you know, I'm not even <laughs> sure that we've gotten to that point yet. I didn't mean to send you off on that tangent. Yes. <laughs> my point my point is that the, the the Catholic Church believes, I think, still, that the Pope is holy in his decisions that are made regarding the Church. God is speaking to him. So basically, he is an infallible human being. He is beyond reproach when he's making decisions about the Church, because he's the head of the Church and he's anointed by God. These are the college football popes. They are holy. They are completely and totally removed. They have no biases. They're not human beings like you and I. When they make these decisions about college football, they're infallible. They are completely and totally above reproach or questioning. Does that make sense? No, well, yeah, uh, but that's my argument, too. You're what right. Do we do? Joel's what? right. You're right. Everybody's right. It's a ridiculous thing. Let's expand the playoffs a little bit to six and give uh, one and two a bye or eight, and let's get the Central Floridas and the South Floridas and then everybody else, the FAUs involved, and let's play the damn thing. But yeah, let's you know, not pretend that there is this infallible room of, of college football gurus with bigger brains than the rest of us because you can make an argument for anybody and be right this year. And here's the other thing. I think as a part of that, and, and I was just talking about this in the last segment, you should have to publicly release everybody's final ballot. Because I think sunshine is the best disinfectant. And what I mean by that is, if you are likely to have a ballot that looks biased, just like they do with the coaches poll, you should have to send your ballot out so everybody can say, okay, was this a fair ballot? Because like you said, you can debate whether maybe Ohio State or Alabama deserves to get in like in a legitimate fashion and be fair. But if somebody had a ballot out and we saw, oh, wait a minute, they had Alabama at nine and Ohio State at four, or vice versa, you'd be like, man, that's a clearly biased individual, right? And so maybe they would do it, maybe they wouldn't, but at least if the ballot comes out, you can see how the vote ended up being what it did. You know, here on the West Coast, we still talk about how Mac Brown's brother screwed Cal out right. of the Rose Bowl. That's know, right. So many years ago, by by voting them so deep, and then getting Texas into the Rose Bowl with Vince Young to play Michigan as a precursor to the year uh, after when they beat USC in that championship game. I mean, this stuff has been going on for a long time. But you're right; it's not transparent when it comes to the committee. And I mean, it's something for us to argue about, just like the BCS. But. Uh, at least was, the BCS was computers. Like, they just put in a bunch of numbers, and then the computer came out, and, like, the idea with the BCS was, and I know there was the human element because it was involved in the polls, but the more people you have voting, the less every individual voter matters, which is better, right? Like, imagine if, like, that's always the challenge with the Supreme Court. You got nine people. One person makes a huge difference. Right now, we're going to have 11 guys out there deciding who the, uh, who the playoff is going to be, 
and and I don't know how well versed those eleven are, or how representative they are of what it would look like if we had a hundred and ten or eleven hundred people. As you know, like we at least had a hundred and ten or so people involved when we used the coaches poll the and the AP poll. poll. Yeah, the Harris poll. Yeah, yeah, the Harris poll was involved. I mean, my 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 argument, and it was on on the Fox show this year, is this is bread in the bone from when the Street and Smiths magazine comes yes. out in in August or whatever in in July. Uh, we we've been waiting for Wisconsin and Miami to implode all year simply because we, the brilliant pundits, did not see them coming. So we just keep waiting for somebody to beat them, some blue blood like Alabama or Ohio State. We want to put in ahead of them because we didn't see them coming. So they insulted us by by not announcing themselves as great before the season started. I mean, it really is a ridiculous process. This, by the way, is crazy, too. It's actually down to 10 people who are going to be voting because Frank Beamer's son is on the staff at Georgia. So we actually only have 10 people on this playoff committee who are going to be voting. What happens if it ends up tied 5-5? Do we have a tie break? I mean, I mean, an honest question. Like, if, if Ohio State versus Alabama is tied up at 5-5. Then they start playing chicken with their private <laughs> jets in the skies above Texas. I mean, in all seriousness, like, how does that conflict resolve itself? Um, we're talking to Petros Papadakis uh, quickly here before we let you go. How big is Chip Kelly to UCLA in terms of the LA and Pac-12 football markets? I think it was probably the most impactful day in the history of UCLA football since uh, Red Sanders, the old UCLA coach that won their one national championship, died in bed with a prostitute <laughs> in Hollywood. <laughs> that is an L.A. story. By the way, that would also be a great SEC story. I think that goes on a lot down here with coaches, too. Nobody knew why he had his shirt off, Clay. <laughs> it's a huge deal. I, I, it'll be very interesting to see how he staffs it and where those guys are going to live. But I, I, I really think that uh, West Coast football has changed for a, a long time. And, you know, they upped the ante. Uh, Todd Graham just got fired after going 6-3 and three in the conference, and they're going to bring in your friend Kevin Sumlin, I think. And yep. the Pac-12 South is going to be crawling with some big-name coaches. What do you think this does to the L.A. football market? You got the Chargers. You got, obviously, the Rams. Uh, let's Both those teams may end up, by the way, making the playoffs before all is said and done. But for USC versus UCLA, how much pressure does this put on Clay Helton? How much of a different level does it take the L.A. rivalry to? Well, I think it puts a great deal on Clay, not recruiting-wise. You know, Chip Kelly and the whole recruiting thing, he, he doesn't – he recruits people to his system. And they may or may not be five-star recruits. You know, he doesn't care. So the recruiting thing, I mean, USC is still going to win every recruiting battle. And they're going to lose a few, too, but it's going to be the same. I don't, I don't think that's going to change much. Chip might attract more national recruits. I mean, he's a gigantic name. And just the implementation of that system and creating that identity for UCLA is going to change things. I mean, it's going to change things a lot. And Clay, Clay might want to think about hiring some guys on the staff that he's not related to or from Conference USA that he grew up with. <laughs> Real last question, speaking of that USC staff. T. Martin, how good has he been? How much of a loss would he be to USC if he legitimately ends up in the mix at Tennessee? Well, you know me. I don't care about anybody saying, like, but he's such a great recruiter. That doesn't mean anything to me, especially at USC. The USC recruits itself. Paul Hackett had the personality of a wheat fin and <laughs> recruited everybody 
<laughs> you know, he, I played yes. next to Hall of Famers because we were USC, you know. Uh, so I don't care about T. Martin and recruiting. I don't know what kind of offense he calls, really, because he's squeezed by, uh, by Clay Helton and his brother. And they all three call plays, so he's not really calling plays this year. I'm just telling the truth. I don't know if he's a good coach or not. Uh, he gets a lot of love for being a good coach because he's a guy we know, I think, and I think he's an affable guy. But is he a play caller? I have no idea. He's complained publicly this year uh, in L.A. about not spending enough time with the quarterbacks because he's supposed to be the coordinator, but he's stuck with the receivers because Clay Helton's brother's with the quarterback. Now, does that sound like a healthy situation? No. no. I'm not well, an expert, but that doesn't here. say healthy. Yeah, that's I mean, so I don't really know. I mean, and they won ten games, and, and Sam Darnold's a great player to be around, and that's a big reason for it. But I, I the, the I guess the short answer is I don't know. <laughs> Good stuff as always, Petros. We'll talk to you next week. Love you. Thank you. Bye. That's Petros Papadakis, five uh, seventy a.m. Sports in L.A. at Petros and Money on Twitter. Final segment up next. We're down to ten committee members. Talk about it on Outkick. The coverage. All right, I'm about to blow everybody's mind. I'm telling you, the college football playoff committee rankings are going to get a lot of attention tonight, but it's going to be nothing compared to the attention they get on Saturday and Sunday. By the way, great news. You could uh, There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to GEICO. Go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance as well. Love has an army, and you can join the fight. Help the Salvation Army fight for those in need all over our community this Christmas by going to foxsportsradio.com and clicking the red kettle icon to donate or call 1-833-SAL-JOIN. Okay, Frank Beamer's son coaches on Georgia. We also have the athletic director of Clemson and the athletic director of Ohio State. In theory, they would have to recuse themselves from the top six vote if all three of those teams are in the top six. Correct, Jason Martin? Correct. Okay, so it's five to five then. There are 13 committee members. We would then be down to 10, right? What happens if five of those committee members put Ohio State four and five of those committee members put Alabama five? Uh, sorry, four. So we end up directly tied at five and five. How is the tie broken? See, I looked through all of the actual committee documentation and actually the protocol documents as well, and there's nothing mentioned other than tiebreakers that come up earlier. There's nothing about tiebreakers that come up near the end. So I don't know exactly what it is. I'm sure there are procedures in place, but they're not transparent via this document at all. All right, so clearly this is something that very much could happen, right? And what I'm talking about is I think it's likely that the top three in college football are not going to be complicated, right? I mean that honestly. So that's if you end up with a situation where let's say that the SEC champ is going to be in. The, we know that there is a likelihood that the Clint, the ACC champ is going to be in as well. Oklahoma at 12-1 and one would be in. Those top three teams would be out of debate. And you, I think, would have a debate if, if Ohio State beats Wisconsin. The debate about the fourth playoff team is going to come down to 11-2 Ohio State versus 11-1 Alabama. And potentially... You may only have, we know at a minimum you're going to have 11, right? You may only have 11 guys who are able to debate this. If Georgia wins, then they would be in the top six, and so Frank Beamer would have to be recused as well. So you would be down to just 10 guys. Has anybody considered what would happen if we ended up 
five people voting for Ohio State and five people voting for Alabama. How do we break that tie? Because theoretically, when you only have 10 people voting, you could have a deadlock. Do they stay in the room and continue to vote? Do they then horse trade? I'm telling you, this is a potential recipe for disaster that is going to be like Oklahoma and, um, sorry, think about George W. Bush against Al Gore back in the 2000 presidential election. So wait a second. Now, if Georgia, what is it? If Georgia wins, they're top three, right? You would think, or would you put them yes. at four? Okay, if they're three. top three, then Beamer could vote because they would be out of it. He could vote for the next six. Oh, I thought you that said that Georgia would be part of it. I thought you're saying that if they're in the top six discussion, that they aren't allowed to vote at all. You're able to do the listing phase off the top. So when you list the top six teams or whatever. You can do that, but not in terms of the rankings. So then if they're in the top three and get those three, then they're out of the way. So then he wouldn't be recused for the next set. So as long as Georgia's in the top three, then that would still allow So you're only recused if your team is in that three. So Clemson, in theory, wouldn't be involved either. So he would be able to vote? Yeah, it looks that way. Like I said, it's... I'll continue to look at it, but that's what it seems like it appears. Like, you can't list your recused team... And then the recused member can't participate in following steps if the recused team is in the pool, but they wouldn't be in the pool, I guess, if they were top three. You, you're going to have to do all this research on this because the same problem would still apply there because you would still have an uneven number. You could still end up tied up at 6-6, six, six, right? Yes, five, that's five true. Or six, yes. six. Even if Clemson is in the top three and Georgia is in the top three, then you still – or Georgia loses and they're out – um, either way, you could still have Ohio State having to recuse itself and the possibility of a 6-6 six to six tie. My question still remains, how do you resolve a tie if you have an uneven number of votes? I mean, you have an even number of votes. I'm telling yeah. you, this is a potential mess. Think about this tonight when you watch the playoff committee rankings. You're probably not going to hear anybody talking about the complexity of this because, frankly, most people who talk about sports for a living aren't that smart. So most people haven't even thought of this issue I don't know if the committee's even thought about what happens in this issue if this arises. I'm telling you, this is going to be an ugly potential situation. Now, Wisconsin can clean it up. If Wisconsin beats Ohio State, then it makes it pretty easy because then the four teams is just about where are they going to be seated, where are they going to be ranked. It ain't going to be that complicated. But if Wisconsin loses to Penn State, as Vegas is telling us is likely, Penn State, sorry, sorry, lose to Ohio State. Ohio State's about a touchdown favorite. Anyway, If I haven't muddied the waters enough, do you thought arguments from college football were getting intense now? Imagine if it comes down to a few committee members making a decision between Bama and Ohio State. No telling how many trees are going to end up dead. Uh, I am Clay Travis. Thank you for hanging with us on Tuesday. Go download the podcast. This is Outkick, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.